I'm Chad Main, the founder of legal services company Percipient, and this is Technically Legal, a podcast about legal technology and innovation in the legal industry. Today's episode, we're talking to Peter Eilhauer, Managing Director of Legal Spend Solutions at Epic. We talked to Peter not only about legal spend management, but also about maturity models and data analytics. Our guest today, Peter Eilhauer, has been in and around legal spend solutions for about 16 years. He started his career as a consultant where he focused on helping law firms manage costs. And then he switched teams and went in-house at an insurance company corporate legal department. And he helped them manage their legal costs and select and implement technology. Just before Epic, Peter was with Elevate Services, where there too he was helping legal departments with legal spend analysis and managing costs. Peter's job at Epic, Managing Director of Legal Spend Solutions, is a new one for him. It's also a new position for Epic. I asked Peter to come on the show today not only to talk about managing and analyzing legal spend, but using data analytics in general in the legal world. Specifically, Peter and I talk about maturity models as they're applied to legal departments. What's a maturity model? As Peter will explain, a maturity model can be used as a benchmark for your organization and can provide a roadmap for process improvement. In simpler terms, a maturity model just describes the stages or how well an organization is at using people, process, and technology to tackle legal tasks. If you want to visualize the maturity model, think of a table. On the left column, you have individual rows for people, process, and technology. And on the top row, from left to right, you have four other columns. From reactive, on the very left, which means the legal department is in an immature stage for doing specific legal function, to the next step, which is informed. That means the legal department is starting to think about improving their people, process, and tech, and developing better approaches to getting work done, so that they can move to the third and next stage, which is proactive, which is the mature stage on the model. Finally, on the very right, you have the predictive stage in the maturity model, which is best in class, which means you have the best people, the best process, and using the most efficient and best tech to get the work done. So today, Peter and I are going to talk about applying a maturity model to the use of data analytics. And more specifically, towards the end, we talk about how to apply those data analytics to look at how much a legal department is spending on outside counsel. Although we talk about legal spend analysis, maturity models can be applied to a bunch of areas in legal work. And if you want to see more specifics about that and how it's applied in other areas and disciplines, just Google ACC maturity model and a great resource from the Association of Corporate Counsel will come up. All right, enough of me talking about this stuff. Let's get to my interview with Peter Elhauer. To me, a maturity model is a, it's a plan on a page and it explains in a grid format where you are today and where you should be in the future. Set up the grid. Yeah. So the grid is the columns are the levels of maturity that go from uh, reactive or early state to informed or developing to a mature state or proactive state, and then to a best-in-class state or predictive state. Generally, maturity models, they'll be structured this way where there's three or four columns of going from early stage to mature. The rows of the matrix of the grid are the elements that you want to measure. So in simplest terms, you measure it as people and process and technology. And how mature each one of those segments is. Exactly. So how mature am I in a people standpoint? What is early stage? What is developing? What is mature? And what is best in class? Same thing for process, same thing for technology. One spin that we've done with this data analytics maturity model is I wanted to think a little bit differently about the technology row, because to me, that's so fundamental to data maturity that we broke it out based on 
the actual technology. So that's the what that you're using, whether it's, you know, an Excel or dashboard or data preparation tool or the data integration of it. So meaning not just the technology, but then how do you move the data around and how do you bring the data together? So we'll get more into detail of the steps from immaturity to, to maturity, but what's an example of a discipline and an immature stage? Discipline that would be immature when you're looking at what's an indicator just generally of immaturity is manual processes, ad hoc processes, unsophisticated processes, things that you know don't incorporate tools, tech, process in a consistent manner, very ad hoc. So then let's go to the other end of the spectrum of maturity model. What's mature? Obviously, there's automation. You're getting data pulled. Uh, as a matter of course, integrations, what, what's the aspiration there for a mature activity? A mature activity, yeah. So you've incorporated people, process, technology, the best practices of each. Uh, you have you know, a standardized way of doing things. You have standard measurements, standard outcomes. You have a playbook and a process that you can rely on. You know, when you get to more aspirational, then those are the things that are like leading edge kind of concepts, right? So maturity, the idea of a maturity model is you want to be in that mature stage. You want to get yourself from an underdeveloped state up to a mature state. And then you start looking at that, you know, ultra developed state or aspirational state. So the materials you provided me before we recorded, which as we talked about, I'm going to post on the episode page at tlpodcast.com. Encourage everybody to check it out because it's helpful for planning and kind of taking a look at ways to implement uh, maturity models in your practices and in your legal work. But in, in the materials, you have a statement here that I'd like you to expand on. You say maturity model can be used as a benchmark for your organization and also provide a roadmap for improvement. How does it do both? How does it provide you with benchmarks? How should you use it as a roadmap? So again, I go back to it's a, it's a great visual. So maturity model is really good visual to you know see where you are today. And you look at it, it's these are usually structured as a grid format, four levels from underdeveloped all the way up to a best in class or predictive. And then the rows represent you know, the functional areas that you want to mature. And so when you're looking at it as a, as a benchmark, really you can use them as a visual benchmark to you know, plot yourself within this grid of where am I in my maturity. So just as simple as putting a dot <laughs> in the group that you're in. And then you can understand, well, I'm a level two, I'm a level three, I'm a level two and a half. You can run some basic analysis on it to say, I average a 2.5. And so you can start to communicate with a number, frankly, to say, where am I in my maturity? And then when you're talking about a roadmap, you can look at each of these levels and each of these disciplines, and you can plan where you want to mature yourself. So going from a underdeveloped people state, well, what does that mean to become a a mature, for example, mature analytics people organization? Well, you need to move from having ad hoc, you want to move from having an individual that's not focused on data analysis to now focus on data analysis. So what does that mean? It means hiring the right talent. It means training the right talent. It means bringing that team up to speed so that they can be a data analyst for your team. So we should actually put this in context too, because this maturity model framework that you provided here, it's basically a table and there's four columns and four rows. And at the top, you have the stages of 
data analytics maturity. So the early stages, you're reactive. The informed stage, which is stage two, you're developing. You, you realize the importance of, of data analytics and you want to formalize that. So you start thinking about it and developing a plan. Uh, you get the third stage is being proactive and mature. And then the fourth stage, predictive, best in class. That's the aspirational goal, right? That, that's that's right. But then on, on the left side, in the, the, the columns, you have four components. You have people, process, technology, and, and data integration. So let's, let's talk about that. Let's, let's talk about the four stages of the people maturity model. So four stages of the people maturity model. I would say first is in the reactive state, you have no dedicated support. You, know, you have no guidance on, uh, on how you should be doing data analysis. So this all comes from a perspective of we want to understand our data, we want to make use of our data, we want to be a data-driven company. So, so when you say ad hoc, would this be an example of an immature, an organization in an immature stage of data analytics, specifically the people part? You know, let's, let's keep it to something you know, um, legal spend analysis. So you go to your accounting department or if you're a law firm, you go to, you know, whoever your whoever runs the accounting there and you ask them to run a report to see how much it was, you spent on stuff or if you're in a corporation, how much you spent on outside counsel, right? Yep. That, that's immature. It's ad hoc and it's done on kind of a one-off basis. It's immature. It's ad hoc. There isn't a person that's that you even know who to go to. So in some cases, you yourself are that person. You're running that analysis, but you're not you know fit for purpose to do that. Okay. So then let's, let's talk about the next stage. You may not even think you're spending too much on outside counsel, but you don't know what you're spending. And you want to figure out and see if there's room for improvement. So how do you get to stage two? You, you realize it's important that you know that you should understand what you're spending. From a people perspective, how do you get to stage two? Yeah, so a developing spend analysis organization, the people there, they're going to be focused on that task. So that could mean you know as few as one to as many as a team that are uh, focused on analysis, that are focused on reporting, that have a deep understanding of the spend data, the tools and the tech that's in the department that can run reports for you on a centralized basis. You've made the decision, the second stage, the developing stage. You've made a decision, we're going to figure out what this data means. You've hired somebody to do it. Yeah, exactly. And they're dedicated? Yep. And you see that in legal departments today, is that they're investing in a data analyst or a business analyst who you can go to to run ad hoc or increasingly systematized reports. The third level here is mature People, it seems to me, is there may not be a ton of difference between the developing stage two to stage three. You still have people. What's the difference? It's not a ton of difference, I would say. In a developing state, you're centralizing it under at least one individual. So you've invested the time to have a, a full-time resource that's focused on analysis. As you start to get more mature, you need more people, right? So you start building a team around spend analysis, generally around creating reporting, you're investing more in their training and capabilities. And in some cases, the maturity comes from that level of resource that you're looking for. So uh, developing an analytics team might just have a business analyst who knows who's good at Excel. But then you start getting into a mat more mature state, and they've got more business intelligence skills. They may have some data science capabilities. They may have just more advanced analytics skills. Ah, uh, I see. Which, and then you've, you just alluded to it, the best in class, you know, you predictive analysis supported by team and, and data scientists. So that, that's the aspiration, right? Having some data science behind it. That's where the market's going now, right? So you need to have, if, if you're thinking about how do I set up the people within my organization, I'm going from a maturity standpoint, I'm going from having no one that's dedicated to this discipline 
to having a person who knows how to run reports and knows how to do some basic analysis to having a team of people who are focused on this, who are not just responding to, to requests, but are also you know proactively delivering those requests. And then when you get to a best-in-class, you're starting to incorporate some advanced analytics. You're incorporating data science in some cases. You're expanding their capabilities to you know to meet the modern market need. Give me an example in legal spend analysis, data science coming into play. What's it doing? So in legal spend analysis, there's a there's a really rich set of data that corporate legal departments and law firms are generating with their billing data. So corporate legal department collects invoice data and they collect it in an e-billing system and it has just a very rich set of data to it. Not just, you know, who worked on the matter, what their level was, what the task code, what the expense code was, but even more detailed levels of granularity like the billing narrative. So where more and more people are looking is let's look at that billing narrative. Let's apply some analytics to it and let's parse out those those uh, billing narratives and understand at the discrete task level what work is being done and whether it was valuable to do it. So that's where we're in the billing side. That's that's where data science is being leveraged. You've been doing this for a while and I'm sure you run into this objection when you're consulting organizations and encourage them to become more mature in their legal spend analytics. But what do you tell the GC who needs to go to the CFO to, to find money for this? You know, the CFOs might say to the GC, you're already spending a buttload on attorneys as it is. And now you want me to hire somebody separate from that just to analyze these bills, spend more money on top of this? What's the justification? Yeah, that's a good question. And it's an investment in people that don't immediately create a cost savings. But their work in identifying where your spend is going can be used to uh, to drive cost savings. So it is an investment to improve your, you know, reduce your rates, improve your service levels, get more value out of your outside counsel. And without that kind of visibility, you're sort of shooting blind into the dark about how you're going to be analyzing your outside counsel. You just said get more value from your outside counsel. How? How can this people component in your data analysis team help that? So how can they get more value out of your outside counsel? Well, within your billing data, you can understand how the firm has worked the matter, right? So you understand how they staff the matter, who they put on the matter, what work they did, at what level. You know, was it an associate? Was it a partner? Was it an associate with two years? Was it an associate with six years? you really get that layer of information on how the work was worked. So if you can do a little bit more analysis on that data, you can understand, all right, you know, what's the right level of resource that should be working on this matter? Uh, what's the expected rate that they should be working on that matter? Uh, if they were to have delivered the work in a different way, either staffed it, you know, more weighted to partners, more weighted to associates, would have gotten a better outcome, would have gotten a better value, would have reduced my cost. So there's a lot of different ways that you can look at that information, but that's how you're driving that, that change. All right, we're going to take a quick break away from my conversation with Peter. And I want to take this opportunity to let you know that for every episode of Technically Legal, there's a dedicated episode page at tlpodcast.com. If you go there, you can find more information about our guests and links to more information about the stuff we talk about. If you want to get a hold of me, you can find me on LinkedIn or you can email me at cmain at percipient.co. And that's C M A I N at percipient.co. 
we need to do more with less. That is the key takeaway nowadays from almost every survey of in-house counsel. But what if it didn't have to be that way? What if you actually could do more for less? By combining legal expertise and technology, Percipient enables legal teams to get more work done for less. Buried in contracts and sales is frustrated with turnaround time? We can help with that. Did you just get hit with a subpoena and reviewing 100,000 documents and files will tax your resources or cost you a small fortune in billable hours? We can help there too. Our team of legal professionals leverage tech and project management principles with the right amount of human oversight to deliver precise, efficient, and cost-effective legal solutions. Whether it's legal operations and contract management support, subpoena compliance, or document review, Percipient is your partner in really doing more for less. Percipient. Legal services powered by technology. All right, let's get back to my conversation with Peter talking about data analytics, maturity models, and legal spend analysis. So you've got your people. You've you've made a decision to put people in place, or at least a person, to be dedicated to this data analytics. But you got to have a process in place. And again, you've got the four stages from immature to mature. What's indicative of an immature organization from the process level? Immature, from a process standpoint, it's self-directed data analysis, meaning you're you're hunting through the data yourself. Uh, you you don't have a consistent process in place. You don't have uh, you're generating an, you're generating analysis on an ad hoc basis, and you're not running it on a repeatable basis. Seems to me that this immaturity goes hand in hand and kind of overlaps with the people, because until you have decided that you've got someone dedicated to do data analytics. It's going to be ad hoc, so you don't even need a process. So it seems to me that once you hire somebody or hire the team to do this role, no matter how they approach it, they've got to come up with a process to do it, right? And you're automatically jumping a stage in the the maturity model for process, or am am, am I wrong there? No, that's right. So if you have no people to do the work, then you typically have no process uh, in order to execute the work. So when you're in a very early stage, it is more reactive, right? It is, you have a need, you have to respond to that need. So law firm is asking for a rate increase. What does that mean? What was their prior rate? How do I assess whether that rate increase is reasonable or not? So you're very reactive, you're not doing anything proactive, and you typically, you're doing it on an ad hoc basis. But I guess I could see, going back to the question I had before, you could hire somebody or a team, and they could still somewhat have an ad hoc process. They haven't like set it down and on the paper, put pen to paper and outlined it, or they just do things as it comes up or as questions come to them. So I guess there is another step. It's not just the fact you hired somebody and they by default have to have a process of doing something. It needs to be more formalized. Very true. Right. So in a people maturity, you want to grow your team size, your dedicated team size, and you want to grow the experience level of them. Process is more you want to grow the, well, obviously the process so that you can be more consistent in the way in which you're reporting or running analysis. So if you have a five-person team and they're sort of at the beck and call of when somebody needs a report. Still immature. Still, still very immature, right? Doesn't matter how many people you have and you're being inefficient with your team. You're just adding people to run miscellaneous reports. 
you want to have a consistent discipline around how you run your reports, how you deliver your reports on a consistent basis. Of course, it's going to be ad hoc, but you want to minimize that as much as possible. Which, and you've got here in, in your framework here, the informed second stage developing is scheduled reporting. So you you put a team in place, they should have some sort of schedule at which they're running reports, which presumably be monthly, but whenever it is. But you have in here too is a parenthetical push. What do you mean by that? So push reporting is when your team is generating the report and sending it out to the recipients, meaning you know, you're emailing a report for the monthly budget. Pull reporting, which is the next stage. The next stage, yep, a more mature stage or the mature stage, uh, is when you are presenting that data and allowing the users to come into a system or come into a you know a centralized report. Which we'll talk about in a second, like a dashboard, right? Like a dashboard, exactly. Right. So pushing is sending reports out to your constituents or your stakeholders. Pull reporting is creating a dynamic solution so that they can enter in, see the reports, but then also explore those reports in greater detail. And I, I know too, in this proactive mature stage, not only are you measuring stuff, you're starting to notice trends and targets. You're setting targets too. Exactly. Right? So it your process, the whole objective here, again, with maturity model in general, is that you're looking to mature your process. So when you're reactive, you have an immature ad hoc process as you you know do this more and more and you understand what reports are needed by your corporate legal department then you're standardizing those reports you're creating consistency among your reports you're starting to schedule those reports out if everybody's asking you for a budget report every month then it's time to create the t- the template create the process schedule that report send it out and then if you get mature then it's, well, let's present that in a more usable format so that your stakeholder can come in, gather that report, and get some additional information on it. So what's the aspiration? What's best in class then for process? So to me, the idea of being best in class or being predictive is being able to suggest and tell a story with your reports. So it isn't just, here is your budget for the month, right? That's a very static report that you push out every month and say, here's your budget to actuals. But if you can provide more context to that, to that data, to that report, to say, you know, you are trending 20% above, if this pace continues, then you're going to be 20% over, you should do this or that, right? So it's more about being able to suggest to use the data to explain the story as opposed to just presenting the data as a you know flat story. Offer an insight rather than just answering questions, even if it's on a scheduled basis, you're answering you're um, offering insights. Exactly. It's offering insights. It's being able to do scenario planning around the data and the reports that you're running. If you think about our mature people, if our mature people have a data science background or an advanced analytics capability. Your process can include running more statistical analysis, running more regressions, uh, running more predictive analysis. There's an over again overlap here. We just talked about it in dashboards. So the next step in the maturity model is making sure your tech is mature. And this one actually we can probably skip the first two stages because they're pretty obvious. Obviously, early stages 
the information you're grabbing ad hoc is in a spreadsheet. You do an export or something. So there's no, there's no rhyme or reason to it other than how you're collecting it. A more informed second stage developing, maybe you've got some reports or some f- for, um, templates that you use, right? Yeah, data warehouse. Yeah. Uh, that's another that's another tool. So you know, immature. You're right. Spreadsheets, Excel, more mature developing. It's uh, at least a reporting tool to be able to aggregate data and generate reports. Or at a minimum, you got templates. You know, you're pulling the information, but at least it's going into a template, and you're seeing the same data points you can compare. But then. To get to mature, you want to do this poll. You want to have dashboards. What are we talking about there? It's certainly on the corporate legal side where I focus mainly. The concept of dashboards has exploded over the last you know five, six years. So six years ago, legal departments weren't really using any dashboard technology. Uh, staying, all of them were in more of the immature or developing stage of just uh, Excel and pivot tables. And you've seen the market mature with a lot of great technologies like Tableau, Power BI, Click, a number of others that I'm forgetting here, where you have a relatively easy way to create exciting visuals that you can then also distribute to your teams either, you know, like I said, through pushing reports, pulling users into a centralized system. So it really provides that next level of, uh, of reporting and analytics that, you know, five years ago wasn't in the legal department. And I always point this out. I'm sure if anybody's listened to more than a couple of these episodes, I always harp on this. Power BI is a good example. You don't need to go out and buy a super new shiny tool. You probably have something, some software in your productivity suite that lets you do at least baseline dashboards, right? Yeah, yeah. And and it is, it's crazy to think about, you know, how it was before dashboards like Power BI and Tableau and Click existed you had to go to your IT department to develop something for you or you know, build a static dashboard. And there's a lot of cycle time that would go into that of trying to request those reports, having them set up for you as a legal department. Now it's sort of a like a citizen developer from a dashboarding standpoint where you can get a license, you can lay it on top of even an Excel file, and then you can get a better layer of visibility. Obviously, a lot of people that would be interested in this are the legal ops people or the people in the legal department. The legal ops person, super busy. The lawyer is definitely super busy. They may not have time to really get into Power BI or Tableau or some of these other stuff. What do you suggest there? How do they get that done? Yeah, there's a learning curve. So even though it's approachable, you need to have repeatability, right? You need some sort of basic training. Again, it goes back to how do these, how does people process and technology all fit together? So if you have a dedicated analyst, if you're mature in your people from an analytics standpoint, then that person, he or she is being trained on Power BI or Tableau. They can be your centralized report generator, and you can kind of see how that all fits together. So finally, the aspirational, the predictive best-in-class for the technology maturity model is advanced analytics toolkits. What are you referring to there? Data preparation tool, there's a, there's a number of them out there. What they do is they help you to collect data and automate the process of collecting data. Meaning, you know, you're collecting data, you're transforming it, you're adding addi- additional data fields to it, you're enriching that data, and it can help you step through that process so that you do it in a consistent, repeatable format. And how does that differ from a dashboard? So it's... It's just behind the dashboard, right? It's behind the dashboard. It's the, the automation of the data collection 
process to get it into the dashboard. So it's a lot of work that goes behind the scenes before you can visualize a dashboard and you make sure that that the data is clean and accurate. And data preparation tools and processes help you to do that level of cleaning and classification. So then finally, again, everything going hand in hand, you have data integration. So the dashboard is presumably going to have information and data pulled from multiple sources. And until you get this data preparation tool, or even, even then, there's still going to be some level of manual piecing together. So tell me the stages there. Like, What's an immature organization from the data integration standpoint? Yeah. So first off, I should clarify, you know, the common way of thinking about a maturity model is people, process, and technology. And so when first started thinking about how do we represent data maturity across people, process, and technology, I started to look at technology as there's a what, you know, what tech am I using? Am I using Excel? Am I using a database report tech? Am I using dashboards? Or am I using a data preparation tool? Right. That's the the level of maturity there from a technology standpoint. But then the integration piece to it is how do I move data from one place to another? Because if you don't have it integrated, you're doing it yourself. Exactly. Right. So immature is data is siloed and you're manually taking that data and you're moving it from one place to another. You get to a more mature state, to a developing state, you have data structured but still siloed. Right, So immature is, it's siloed, it's unstructured, you haven't put any framework to it, so it may not even be in a system. And then when it's developed, it's in a system, it's structured, it's still siloed, but it's easier to move data around. But you still generally, even at that stage, doing it manually, right? You're doing it manually, yeah. So from a developing standpoint, it would be, the idea would be, I've got you know three different systems in my legal department, I need to run a report out of each of them each month and then consolidate it myself. So you haven't really integrated everything. When you're moving to a more mature state, you are able to consolidate that data on a more automated fashion. So whether it's, again, using one of the prior concepts of process, either you've got that turned into a process where you know every month you run this report, you append it to this data set, you run this other report, you append it to that data set, and you've, you're still manually doing it, but you're, you're creating a process to structure how you collect the data. Or you're using a data preparation tool. So it goes to the technology stand of it. So then what's best in class, though? Like if you could hit the magic easy button and it would all be fixed, what's your dream for an organization to have their data integrated? How's it work? How's it connected? Yeah, it's a either direct connection, an API call to all the source systems, or some ability to pull that data out of all of your source systems. You have source systems, number one, and it's all pulled together into a data warehouse where you can then create some automation using a data preparation tool to pull that data in, to classify it, to extend it, to enrich it, and then push that data out into a business intelligence tool so you can visualize it. So the end user's experience is... And also it's real time, right? So this data is being run on a regular basis as opposed to a monthly pull of reports. As well, if it's, if, it, if it's an API call, could be real time or, or at a minimum, it's a set schedule that's pulling it, right? Yep, real time, uh, real time, daily, or uh, regular intervals, exactly. I want to take all that we've talked about and apply it to the real world. Some, get some takeaways here. And I want to specifically go through these stages uh, people, process, tech, and data. 
And I want to talk about becoming more mature with your legal spend analytics. I just want to talk about jumping from immature to the second stage. You know, what, what do you suggest people do just to, just to make that first step? So let's talk about people. You know, you've, you've made a decision that, hey, we want to get a handle on our legal spend. We want to do s- some analysis, see what we take away, see where we can improve, see where we can get this value from outside counsel. What's the first thing they need to do people-wise? People-wise, you need, uh, you need someone who can, who's comfortable with Excel. Let's, let's just start there. You need someone who's comfortable with Excel who's able to run analysis, basic analysis, who's familiar with being able to clean data, uh, being able to, you know, search through data and find basic insights in your spend. And we're talking basic, meaning like understanding your rates, understanding how to do an average rate calculation, understanding how to um, calculate the staffing leverage of of a matter, meaning like what percentage was partner, what percentage was associate, what percentage was paralegal, and so on. That's kind of the level that you need from uh, from a data analyst or from a business analyst that they need to achieve to get to just a basic level. When we talk about cleaning data, what do you expect them to do? From a basic standpoint, it would be filling in gaps in the data, right? So your reporting is only good, as good as the data that comes into the system. And frequently, the data is not good that comes into the system because either the at the front end, meaning the intake, where your legal operations analyst or your your attorney should be setting up the matter correctly, putting in the right timekeepers, putting in the right firm name. A lot of that data is dirty. The back end, the law firm submits the invoice. If they don't submit it in enough detail, then you know you're getting a lot of garbage in. So being able to fill in some of those gaps, and we're talking some of the basic skills is knowing how to do a VLOOKUP or knowing how to build a if-then statement in Excel. So that's kind of the level I look for when I'm looking for a business analyst to to be at least provide that level of of support. So you got that person, you found your your right person, they have these skills, process. What how do you get to level 2? So if you're doing spend analysis, the process to me, I like to set up a data set or a data model where you can on a monthly basis run the same report and more or less copy and paste it into an Excel table. So if you build a report the correct way, then you can do that on a recurring basis and it's not too hard. So you've got your, you know, your lookup tables in in one Excel file, you've got your data set in another Excel file. Each month you run a new report, you download that report, you append the data, and then you can just reuse the the V lookups that you've created. And at minimum, what do you expect on that report? So at minimum, I look for the most detailed level of data that comes out of a billing system. So all of these e-billing systems are organized around a leads format data file, which is you know a standardized format for how invoices are submitted or invoices are created by a law firm. It's L-E-D-E-S. L-E-D-E-S, yeah. Leads formatted file that uses UTBMS task coding, uniform task-based something. <laughs> uniform task-based, eh, I'll get it. Uh, but the, so the, the leads formatted file is sort of your base file. It has detailed task descriptions. So it's, it separates out the work based on line item, based on the work that was done. You have very, very granular information around the hours, the rates, the person, the level, the work that was done. That's the data that you're looking for. So you got your process, you got your baseline data you want to collect. 
what maybe does an organization or a legal department have in their arsenal already that they could use for this spend analysis tech-wise? It's Excel. It really is. So Excel, I mentioned earlier that dashboard technology has greatly improved over the last five, six, seven years. But Excel itself has improved greatly over the last five, six, seven years. It has much more capability, a larger data set that you can retain in there. So it used to be capped at like 65,000 lines. Now it's over a million, I believe. Some of the formulas are, the formulas are stronger, the pivot tables are stronger, some of the visuals are stronger. So you can do most of your analysis in Excel these days. Okay, let's say you've got your person, they master Excel, they're, they're doing great there. What's the next thing maybe to consider adding to the stack? It would be a, a dashboarding technology. So a Power BI, a Tableau, a Click, because those are still approachable to a general user. A lot of training online that's available. So you don't need to be too much of an expert to pick up at least a basic level of competency. And then for the final, your fourth, which I think you said you kind of added the data integration. What are we talking about here to get from what from immature to to the next level, level two, for legal spend analysis. There's a number of low-code, no-code data preparation tools that are really exciting. I think you need a little bit more knowledge and capability to, to use them. Even they are relatively approachable. And there's a number of tech out there, you know, from an Alteryx to a EasyMorph, which I've used before, to like a Trifacta, Things that help you, to, you load the data in, and then you can explore that data in a, an easier format. And you can structure that data, and you can automate the process to move data around within your system. So it's not just, like I said earlier, you have to download a file and you put it into an Excel table. You can make that a step in a, in a data preparation process where it executes that job for you. Peter, thanks for your time today. If people want to learn more about what you're doing at Epic, how do they find you? So I'm available anywhere, really. I'm approachable via LinkedIn, via our Epic website. And I'm always happy to talk about spend analysis, spend management, and just uh, and help you, your legal department, manage your costs better. All right, that's all we got for this episode. As always, we really appreciate you listening. If you want to subscribe, you can catch us on most major podcast platforms, including Spotify, Apple, Google, and most all of the others. Thanks again for listening. And until next time, this has been Technically Legal.